welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with Kelly Barsky, who's the Interim Athletic Director at UCSB. Kelly, how are you today? I'm great, Josh. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm looking yeah, forward no, to it. It's, it's my pleasure. Um, you know, I was familiar a little bit with you and, you know, just kind of running into you and knowing you a little bit in the community. And then I read uh, Mark Patton's story, you know, in Newshawk and, you know, it was like, wow, like what an interesting story. So I just thought we could talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your sort of new position and what that means for, for UCSB. Uh, it sounds like a significant deal. So I just wanted to have a conversation with you about it and uh, let our viewers kind of learn a little bit more about you and what really this is just kind of really an inspiring success story for for you and your family and UCSB so you were recently appointed interim athletic director after working at UCSB in various capacities for a number of years can you talk a little bit about what this means for for the university for you to take on this role and uh, have this kind of leadership Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much. And you mentioned Mark Patton. So I just want to, I just want to highlight, I shared with him, he told my story better than I ever have. So <laughs> thank you for that introduction. And you know, certainly his gracious article, but um, I, I don't know ex what it means for the university, but I can share what it means for me. And, you know, this is uh, certainly a dream, dream job and dream position. I grew up in a place and of education. You know, my dad was a teacher. My mom was a banker. Um, I had planned on being a teacher. And actually, when I first finished my undergraduate degree, I came out and did teach. I taught first and fourth grade for a little bit and loved it. Um, went on to graduate school and had this opportunity uh, to work in collegiate athletics. I was a, I was a college basketball player, um, but thought when my career was over in college, it was over. And when I got back in as a graduate assistant and spent a little time in college, I just had this aha moment and this moment of oh my goodness, I love this opportunity to serve and support the educational journey for student athletes. Um, and, you know, it's just like teaching first and fourth grade. It's different in terms of development, but that same ability to be, you know, a mentor, to think deeply and be a part of their journey, each individual's journey. Um, and athletics also has this great ability to serve community and bring people together. So what it means for me, like I said, it's just a great honor and privilege. And to be here at UC Santa Barbara, it's an incredible academic institution. Santa Barbara itself is a, you know, all of our, um, our uh, so it, all of the community around here, just really, really amazing community. So it's a great privilege to be part of it. What does it mean to be athletic director? When I think about that job, I think, wow, this must be overwhelming. There must be so much that one has to do in terms of being in that role for, for UCSB, which is such a prominent university in the world of athletics for so many sports. Um, what does that job entail? What, what kind of things are you doing? It's a great question. One my kids actually ask me often, they've asked in almost every job, you know, coaching they understood, but I think a lot of the other jobs are, are hard to understand. I mean, really, it, again, it goes back to education. I think you have to always think about what is the, you know, what is the mission of what you're doing? Who are the people in which you're serving? So no matter what the role is on, on this campus or otherwise, you know, you look at what is the mission? And, and again, my mission is to how do we serve our student athletes in the best ability, uh, best of our ability? How do we support the co-curricular experience, their academic experience, their athletic experience, having competitive experiences, you know, on the, on the track, on the court, on the field, in the pool, um, how do we provide leadership and mentorship and life skills? 
Um, so I, I think what, regardless of what the day looks like, how overwhelming uh, some of the, you know, or how much the role uh, has in it, I think it's always breaking it down to, okay, what's our mission? And just taking a deep breath and thinking, what is the next thing that we need to do? And, you know, it is a bit, it is a bit looking big picture, thinking about vision, thinking about um, planning one year, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, but it's also in the day to day. Are we doing the right thing? Are we serving the people that we're setting out to serve? And that's student athletes and staff and faculty and community. Right. You know, um, out here in the world, we hear so much about UCSB's basketball team, right? They've been very successful. We hear about soccer. Um, we hear about baseball. Uh, what are the sports at UCSB that are sort of the, you know, obviously you're in charge of all of them, but which are the ones that are sort of the, the flagship sports, the sports that are growing, the emerging sports? I mean, there must be sort of these tiers and these range. And obviously there's obviously recruitment efforts to sort of boost each sport and make them a little bit, um, <clears throat> you know, higher magnitude. So can you sort of like talk about like the layers of the sports at UCSB and how they rank? Sure. Yeah, we don't look at it. I don't look at it in a matter of tiers. I look at it in a matter of how do we support our programs to be competitive? And you're looking at um, how can they be competitive and how can they, again, best serve the student athletes in our community within, um, you know, you're, you're looking at and comparing and uh, look at the other programs in that particular sport, right? So you don't look at it in tiers. And the other thing we look at is how do we serve student athletes? And that can look different, but we want to be consistent in that. So academic services or sports medicine or sport performance Every student athlete, um, every program is going to receive and has those same support services and resources. Um, and we want to make sure that their experiences are good. Now, each sport has its own sort of culture. Each sport has its own culminating events. I mean, certainly, um, as you know, when you look at all of the events, you talk about March Madness, you know, you're looking at men's basketball, women's basketball programs, or, um, you know, you mentioned uh, baseball when they went to Omaha or they're going to regionals, they have their own culminating events and national championships and traditions and cultures around those sports. Um, so those are, those are exciting things. And we certainly celebrate all of that. But when you're talking about being in my role or being in our, the role of our staff, I mean, we're educators, we're mentors, we're looking to serve all 500 student athletes, all 20 programs um, and, and doing the best we can to provide the best experience while they're here. Okay. Let's talk about UCSB in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. Obviously, this has upended you know, every industry you know, um, that we can think of. And UCSB University moving online, uh, remote learning, obviously this has an impact on athletics. How has the university been able to navigate COVID-19 and still be able to do all the things that you talked about that are important for student athletes? Sure. Well, I am inspired every day, first of all, by our campus leadership, by our campus medical COVID response group, a medical team, um, and with their guidance and direction over the past two years, we've been able to navigate it pretty successfully, uh, both as a university, but also within athletics. I can tell you a story if you want to go back to, I don't want to go back to March, 2020, but let's, let's go to September, 2020, if we could. So when we're, you know, so much uncertainty at that time, well before vaccines and, you know, just coming off shutdown in the spring, 
And we were trying to figure out what is the, what would be the steps and the ability to bring programs back, to bring student athletes and coaches and sports, sports medicine, sport performance, bring people back to compete and train in an environment that's say healthy and safe. Um, our motivation certainly for that is we know that for student athletes, participation in that activity, that competitiveness, they've worked their whole life to be on these collegiate programs. And some of them are looking to go, you know, professional and go beyond. And also it's part of their identity. So how do we do all that? How do we do what we think is right? Give the option for students that needed to or wanted to opt out that didn't feel comfortable, go ahead and opt out. And we'll support, you know, academic journey and re-enter them or reintegrate when it's time. And for those that want to participate to be here and have those competitive experiences um, and those in-person experiences. So going back to September, we're trying to navigate how to start um, and where we started, just we'll mention the two basketball programs. Where we started, those were the first two teams that well, came back early September, 2020. And we had really significant testing. And again, so incredibly thankful and grateful for our university who had this campus testing um, and lab on campus. So we started a lot of testing. We started a lot of uh, isolation and sequestering at the time. So multiple tests before you could even come back. Um, but we started with two basketball hoops that were picked up at a, a sporting goods store. Um, some of our staff put them together on the tennis courts and we had one tennis court set up as a weight, weight area, weight stations, and with, with as much weights as you can imagine and a bunch of tents. And the other tennis court had two outdoor backyard hoops. And that's where we started for about three weeks as we wanted to stay outdoors. We were testing like crazy, but we wanted to give some activity. We started there and then we transitioned, you know, back to some indoor protocols. Then we started rolling all of our other, um, what, 18 sports back in over a time frame from late September to early October. And every single team, every single student athlete who wanted to opt in, every single coach had the opportunity throughout last year to participate um, and to compete in any seasons that were being held by the conference or the NCA. And we've continued to navigate that pretty safely. But it's also a testament. I was like, I can't, I can't speak highly enough. Our student athletes who, gosh, to be a, to be a college student and to be asked to be isolated, to really lock down, to test. And at that time, testing was very different. It was a little more difficult. So to test three mornings a week, stay isolated, stay locked down and only really be in person with their, um, with their, you know, teams was quite a big ask. I mean, we, we had things, you know, protocols like, you know, don't go out to eat. You can pick up and take home very specifics about isolation and they did it and they were, you know, incredibly successful at it. Um, but it's a testament really to the student athletes and the coaches and the staff that were willing to commit to that. It's, it's amazing. The resiliency that, you know, you see in the story that you tell the creativity the ability to figure out a way, you know, we've seen so many people in industries have to do this during the pandemic and, uh, you know, hearing you describe what the athletes in the program had to do just so that they could continue some form of practice, you know, during this period and play is uh, remarkable, you know, and it's just such a, it's just an amazing time that we're in, you know, it's, it's a difficult time, but you also see what, what human beings are capable of. Well. I love that you said resiliency. I love mm -hmm. that because that's exactly what we talk about. I mean, you know, as, as difficult as this has been, 
you're always going to be met with adversity. You're always in your life going to be met with things that are out of your control. And certainly, and, and athletes in particular are very good at this, are very disciplined and they want to control everything they can control. But we're going to be met with these things in life that we can't control, unfortunately, more often than not. So, you know, whether it's pandemic or whether it's something else, it's how do you go through it? How do you go through it together? How do you think intentionally and thoughtfully about the decisions you're making? Um, how do you, again, go back to it? I know I say this a lot, but really serve the people that you intended to serve. So we want, we were serving student athletes and our community and, you know, everyone, families, but we wanted to keep them healthy and safe, but allow them to continue to compete and be active. So like you said, I just love that. You're met with adversity. So let's come together and figure out how are we going to get through it? Um, doesn't mean fix it. Doesn't always mean solve it. Right. But we're going to, we're going to walk through it, right? We're going to walk through it together. Yeah. And that's a good point. A uh, rude reminder, like we're never done. Things are never perfect. There's, you know, always something else that we don't know is going to come and be a major challenge. So we have to learn how to persevere and push through. Um, I want to transition a little bit. You know, I think Mark Patton had mentioned in his story that you were the first female uh, leader of UCSB and something like, you know, a long time. <laughs> so um, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, what is that significant? What does that mean? What are, what are the, the challenges, um, you know, and, and just talk as candidly as you can about being in that position. I'm sure it's been competitive over the years. You know, I'm sure other people wanted that position. What's it like to be a woman to, to rise those ranks and then be in that role? What have you had to experience? Sure. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Um, yes, I am the first female athletic director, uh, you know, taking on this role at this university. Um, I say that uh, and it, for me, there's great honor and privilege for all of my mentors and all the people that I don't know that have come before me that have provided this opportunity for me. You know, Title IX was passed 50 years ago, and I had this great opportunity going back to elementary school, middle school, and high school to really get engaged in being an athlete as well as a student. I had these wonderful mentors and women around me that I got to see as role models. So I am incredibly appreciative for the history and also for where we're going. Um, so it's a great honor. At the same time, I want to say I, I look at it as leadership as leadership, and it's not a gender, right? So the the role in some ways, you say, well, it's it's about I want to get to a place, and I hope we do get to this place at some point where we say, hey, leadership or people who are in leadership have the qualities and the work ethic and the uh, qualifications and experiences that are going to prepare them to be you know, a good leader and a good fit for the role, regardless of the gender. Now I say that, but we're not there. There's still great inequities. Um, and so it's something we have to be mindful of, but I always wanna tie that back into to leaders, leadership. Um, you know, it shouldn't matter, male or female, at some point, at some point. Right, and, and does that translate to sort of on the ground, do you feel as though you have to maybe work twice as hard to get noticed or, um, you know, at your level, obviously, you're super well respected. Um, but, you know, rising the ranks sometimes can, you know, you can sort of feel as though, hey, someone else is getting more attention than I am, and I'm doing the same or more work. Um, on the ground, when we talk about those inequities, you know, and, and you know, talk to, to uh, you know, women, young women, you know, women who are going to be following in your footsteps, uh, you know, what are some of those on the ground inequities that you've experienced? That's an interesting question. 
Because I, I'll tell you my motto or sort of where I've come from. And that is, I, I, I'm not going to, um, I don't worry about what other people think. I, 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 what I do is I worry about how can I best be prepared? What is the goal? What is the mission? What are my core values? What have I been taught? You know, um, those kinds of things. Who are the great mentors? And when I am wavering on something, I call my mentors and I, I have great people that I'm able to lean on and say, what do you think? What would you do? And I think that's more important as you're, as you're um, working towards any goal, whatever that is and whatever your passion is. You know, for me, it, it, it is serving students through this mechanism and serving our community through athletics because I bring it, I believe it brings people together. I believe that, you know, what it does physically, emotionally, socially, academically is really important. Um, but whatever your goal is and wherever you're serving, I think let's just go back to what are you doing? What's your passion? Work hard for it. Be prepared. Understand why you're doing it. Make sure that it's the right fit. And I'm not going to worry about if somebody looks and says, well, she has to be more prepared or less prepared. I, I don't worry about those things. It doesn't serve me well. It probably doesn't serve anybody else, you know, anybody else well. So when you talk about how would I talk to girls or um, women coming up, I'd say, find your passion, spend a lot of time on it, find good mentors that you can trust and ask questions, you know, and, and lean on and jump in head first and enjoy it, you know, and just work hard with it. Um, the other thing I should mention, I kind of motto of mine is just a lifelong learner, be curious. So, you know, in this, in this particular setting, obviously I'm answering a lot of questions, probably in most meetings, you'll see, I ask more questions um, than I'm answering because I really do want to make sure that I'm understanding, that I'm being intentional, that I'm thinking through, that I'm then preparing the right way and that we're making the right decisions. So I think that's the other piece. Work hard, be curious, be a lifelong learner, find a passion, find what your passion is and go after it. We also know in life things change. So if, if you have a passion and then you start to, uh, and I say that because I had that experience where I thought I was going to be a teacher. And then I had this opportunity to get into collegiate athletics and I coached women's basketball and loved it. And then I found this other opportunity through academics and coming up into athletic administration. So, you know, it still serves my and suits my passion, but keep your eyes open and be willing to adjust. That's, that's kind of the way life works, right? Yeah. It, it, you see that athlete's mentality in how you answered that question. You know, it's like, you can only control what you control, which is you. Yep. And if you spend a lot of time worrying about the outside forces, then you lose focus of what you're good at and what you're best at. And then, you know, you can be unsuccessful. But if you focus on yourself, you know, you always win, right? Yes. When, you, when you do everything you can to put yourself in a place to be successful, you not only win internally, but most of the time you win externally as well. Let's talk about you. Um, you're quite the athlete, um, as I understand it, you know, basketball and kind of pro progress me a little bit, you know, take me back to, to Kelly as a, as a child, you know, I think you grew up in what, with Milwaukee, is that correct? And you sort of New Hampshire, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All right, so you, 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 got, you got it close because it's Lake Winnipesaukee. So <laughs> okay, that's where I got that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you grew up in New Hampshire. So tell me a little bit about how you developed a love for sports and basketball, and how you sort of, uh, you know, what was that journey like for you as a kid? Yeah, I grew up in an area where actually being just outdoors and being active was, I mean, was you know everybody was outdoors and active where I grew up in in New Hampshire, and that's certainly different than where I, where I live now. Everyone's active here too, but it was different there. We certainly had winter and that changed things, but 
you're outdoors, you're active, you participate in, you know, in, in community. Um, the other thing is, remember, my dad was a teacher and an athletic director and a coach. So he was a high school basketball coach. So certainly I spent a lot of time growing up um, in the gym. <laughs> Even as a little kid, I remember going, getting up and going to soccer practices at 5 a.m. or going over. Um, even if I, you know, I mean, I was little and I'd go sit in the corner and be dribbling or shooting or playing and just, again, being active. So I think naturally I, I grew up in an athletic environment. I grew up in an educational environment um, and I loved it. There also served something for me, a competitiveness in me that I think um, was really great. It allowed me to express myself and, you know, talking about uh, being a female coming up in this um, profession, I think probably some of that is having that ability to express myself as an athlete pretty early on helped me gain some confidence and leadership skills. And, um, you know, some of the things I may not have uh, learned in some of my other areas of my life. So certainly it was a great, I just loved being active and, and being at the gym and being with the older student, student athletes at the time and participating wherever I could. And that certainly developed into just an, being an active um, citizen, being, having an active lifestyle. You know, and so when you grow up with a, a parent who is an athlete and a coach, there, there's a lot of pressures on you to, to um, you know, do what they do, learn what, what they want to teach you, to participate, to be good, you know, to be as good, if not better than everyone else. Um, were you good from the beginning? Were you an athlete who naturally was like, wow, she's really stellar or did you work at it and progress and you got better one day, you know, what was it like, you know, sort of being the daughter of a coach's kid and how, how did you navigate, navigate those pressures? Not many people are good from the beginning at anything. I don't think, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, certainly some people have, you know, a gift in certain areas being a little bit faster or, you know, we, we see young kids as we know, um, developmental size can be can be sometimes something that can impact you know abilities early on but that all sort of balances itself out so no I think like anything I really just enjoyed being active and I was coached by my dad in high school like high school coach so you talk about some of those uh, pressures or those experiences you know certainly everybody who's a um, a coach's daughter or a coach's son knows and when you come on, I think it, it was a positive to me. There wasn't a pressure put on me by my family, by my father, by my, by I think external, but I felt an internal pressure uh, at that point to say, I need to be one of the hardest workers. Like my dad is the coach. I, I, I can't come in here and, you know, I need to prove um, that I'm, I'm worth getting some minutes or I'm worth having, uh, having, you know, having the ability to be a good part of the team and be a good member. Not that I'm given anything because he you know, was in that position. So I don't think there were external pressures. I think, um, again, coaches, kids tend to have the benefit probably of just a lot of dialogue, you know, after a game, we drive home. I, it's funny. People used to ask me when I played for him, you know, did you get in trouble on the way home if we lost the big game? No, of course I didn't. No, I didn't get in trouble. Or they'd ask, did you, did you have to run this weekend? Like what? <laughs> He's my dad. Not my. So um, with that being said, Josh, I think, you know, you do have the benefit of lots of dialogue and talking about games and talking about strategy and naturally as a point guard. So that's a position where you just are kind of looking at the court, right? As a basketball player, you're looking at the court, um, the full court and seeing everything develop. But to go back to your original question, 
I don't believe anyone is just born with things. I think, you know, you find your passion, you find something you're, whether you engage in it because you're, you're, you have a family member and it's there and presented to you, or whether it's something you find on your own, you have to want to do it. You have to spend the time committed to it and you have to um, work at it. Nothing, it doesn't just usually come. Very few, there's few, right? There's a few, but very few does it just come. And those that are really successful, even you think about your most successful athletes, um, they may have some natural tendencies to be athletic. They're not at that position. They're not the pinnacle because they were just given it. They were at, they're at the pinnacle because they spend a ton of time working on it. Yeah, because eventually they'll get surpassed if they don't work at their natural gifts, you know. And so um, I want to talk about college. I read that you were sort of second in assists at your university. And uh, Mark did some uh, digging on that. <laughs> <laughs> I completely, I did not tell him that. He pulled that out of his <laughs> And that was sort of, the, you know, sort of his theme, you know, from assists to, you know, yes. scoring now. But um Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, your university basketball career. Uh, you, um, you know, you obviously were, were really good, you know, passing the ball, and, you know, leading, leading up to a score. Um, what was that experience like for you? Did you have dreams of being a professional basketball player? Was it just fun? Was it, you know, what was it like to sort of, you know, work the court at that time? Yeah. It was, it was an amazing experience. Now looking back, it was an amazing experience. Probably at the time, some days were amazing and some days I was exhausted and some days were very difficult. But um, I did not have aspirations of being a professional basketball player. I'm not sure I was good. I wasn't good enough, first of all, to be at that level. But going back, um, you know, we didn't have a professional we didn't have the professional programs that we have now, you know, we didn't have the WNBA. And even prior to that, a very little experience, you know, you talk about um, even going back to my, my, you know, me being a female in this leadership position, you think about how important role models are and seeing people like you in those positions. And I, I think about like, there weren't a lot of, and, you know, we're still working on having females as head coaches and females as athletic directors and, we now have finally this, you know, professional sports network that is getting better and better. But at the time, I mean, we didn't have games weren't televised. And I was a huge sports fan growing up. And again, I'm on the East Coast. So, you know, I watched it was the Celtics at that time. And that was a quite an incredible time. We're talking about when you had um, Larry Bird and Parrish and Ainge. But I watched, you know, I watched the NBA. I watched NFL. I watched the, um, you know, I watched the Red Sox or, you know, huge, always on the Bruins were always on. So that, in addition to collegiate sports, um, I watched all the male programs. There was very little televised female collegiate programs, and there certainly weren't the professional opportunities. So again, that just didn't, that wasn't, I'm not, I wasn't good enough for it, but even if I had been, it wasn't something that I saw as an option. Again, I went, I went the particular institution, I went to Keene State College in, in New Hampshire. I went there because they had a great education program and I wanted to teach. And yeah. that was the reason I went there. But being a student athlete was, um, you know, again, it was a, it was a hard experience. It was an amazing experience. It was a time consuming. My day was being an athlete, being a student, being an athlete, studying a little bit more, e eating, <laughs> falling asleep starting over right like that that's what I, I remember my experience but I also made these really great you know built these relationships and met these incredible people and had this incredible journey while I was there so 
Yeah, and so you went to school, you wanted to be a teacher, and you were a teacher, an elementary school teacher for a time being, and that was something that you thought, wow, this is great, this is what I want to do. Obviously, other opportunities arise. What level of elementary school did you teach, and what was the, what was that like for you? How were you able to use your attitude in the classroom? Yeah. I taught first grade mostly. I, I did teach a little bit of fourth grade, but mostly first grade. You know, I, I let me tell you why I loved it. And you'll see why I then had that uh, moment with collegiate um, student athletes as well. But what I loved is the development at that. And probably this is at every age. But for me, spending time in first grade at that time, there's such great development in reading and in language development and math skills and the connections they can start, the way they can start communicating with each other and building friendships and relationships. And it's really, when you, you look at the, um, you know, when you go back and look at the development of it, it's really fascinating. So I found when I got to, to the college levels, you know, again, different levels certainly, but the same things are happening. These first year students are coming in, spending four years with you and they're coming in and they have to learn how to re-engage socially and develop relationships. You know, college is, a, it's, it's more difficult in a lot because it's, um, it's a learning curve in how professors teach and how classes, especially on our quarter system, they're 10 weeks, they're fast, right? So you see students come in and there's a ton of learning and development and socio-emotional stuff going on and getting to see those students come in and then in four years or five years, graduating and being just kind of a different level of maturity and a different level of understanding and self-awareness is just so incredible. And like I said, I'm just grateful and thankful to be on that journey with them. So I, I saw those same things in first grade. And it was it kind of a natural, it doesn't seem natural, it was a natural adjustment. Yeah, and you mentioned the socio-emotional needs that you have to, you know, um, support them with. And think about when you were at the university, I, I imagine, you know, at least, you know, when I was there, like that conversation was not as strong as it is now, if at all. No. Um, so <laughs> what a great time we live in where it's accepted now that we can talk about these things other than just, you know, your hard skills, but we had to talk about how we support the entire person. And yes. it's, um, it's an amazing time and think of hopefully how much better it's going to be for our kids, and, you know, just, just yes. going forward. Um, I want to just you know, want to wrap up here in a second, but you know, you talk about so much about being a good mentor, being a good teacher, supporting. Can you just touch a few, uh, a couple of seconds on your mentors and, and you know the times in your life when somebody was able to give you the you know right amount of advice that made sense, or, or maybe somebody said something and you didn't hear it at then, and then ten years later you're like, whoa, that's what they meant. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, you know, there's so many people I reflect on and think about actually on a, quite often, some of which I'm in touch now and I can you know I can pick up the phone and ask them a question and they're just so gracious and amazing to me and some I'm no longer in touch with but I think about them and when, when I, I think about mentors actually it goes back to someone who I've been in touch with for a really, really long time, but I always think about my sixth grade math teacher. And I remember the first day, I have never told this story, so it's funny talking about this, but I remember the first day going into sixth grade and I, you know, and this was the first time in her math class and I went home and I remember calling my mom at work. Um, she's a banker. So, you know, I call her at work in tears. And I said, I don't think I can do this. This is way too hard. I don't know what she's talking about. I don't think. 
And I just remember she, she was one of the first, but she pushed us re, or she pushed me and challenged me, but to a place that she knew I was capable. And prior to that, I think, um, you know, I had spent, or I had heard, uh, you know, this idea of, Hey, you know, you're probably math might not be your, your best subject or, or things like that, even though I was a very good student. And I remember her pushing and pushing and coming out and just things just kind of popping and learning. And I was so in awe and inspired by the way she, she was tough, but caring. She was direct, but she spent, I mean, she was there and available. So she may have been really tough in class, but if I wanted to spend hours with her after school trying to learn the subject and really um, get competent and be very proficient, she was there to do so. And that was probably my first experience of somebody who, you know, found that balance of I'm going to challenge you, but I'm going to, I'm going to walk through it with you. And again, you go back to mentorship and education. It's you have to learn. I mean, I, I, no matter what I get, if I just give you everything and I just, Hey, let me just tell you everything. You're not going to retain it, but let me, let me help educate you. Let me have you do it. Let me have you walk through it, but I'm going to be here to walk through it with you and make sure if you need that support, you, you have it. So that is probably the first, like the, the, you know, and I have recollection of earlier, but that's the first mentor, I would call her mentor that I, I really remember very significantly. And I didn't understand that Josh to like, I mean, I was probably well out of college till I re remembered that, the, that experience that year and thought, wow, <laughs> wow, that was, that's pretty incredible. Um, Mrs. Walker was her name. Oh, wow. uh, I'll never forget her. So, but with that being said, like I said, there's lots of other wonderful mentors whom still get to be in touch with and, and who have, um, you know, provided me great opportunity and, and just a resource. I'm thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, let's just sort of, you know, bring it back to how we started and kind of spin it forward. Uh, what's 2022 look like for you and UCSB sort of in your role as athletic director? We're obviously still dealing with COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, it's probably never 100% going to go away or there'll be something else that's going to come, come up. Um, what's 2022 look like and, and beyond for you and your capacity in UCSB? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm two weeks in, so maybe <laughs> we can get back together in a couple months. I'd say when I look at 2022 right now, I'm looking at um, and working with and our staff collectively and collaboratively and all of our coaches um, are working together on, okay, what, what is, you know, what is this week? What is this month? What does the next six months look like? as well as trying to be really mindful. I mean, this is the time in the winter that you're starting to look at what does August look like? What do our fall sports look like? What is next year? So, you know, you really have to be mindful and shift into those modes of kind of, you know, supporting and taking care of and making sure that we're growing and developing in, in the current environment, but also planning out and getting prepared for what 22, 23 looks like at the same time. Like I said, right now, I'm two weeks in. So what I've done over the past several weeks is, um, you know, listening. So I'm meeting with, or I have met with all of our head coaches, department heads, um, different people within the department, within the campus, our community members, spending time trying to learn from our history, trying to understand our present, trying to understand where it is we want to and need to collectively go in the future, and then pull all that together. Mm -hmm. So I know that's a very vague answer, but it's the truth. Right now, I'm doing a lot of listening, understanding, asking a lot of questions. I think, you know, come back to me in a bit and certainly I'll be a little bit more or able to be a little more forthcoming with what does vision planning look like? 
Yeah, that's great. And of course, I would imagine you're doing all this and you have three children, you know, and you're like, this is life is nonstop for you professionally. That's the student athlete in me. That's why I said, like, I, you know, I talked to our student athletes. I really can relate. I mean, this was, this is my, this is my comfort zone, truthfully, the, the sort of busyness, but um, recognizing that we have the opportunity. And like I said, I'm incredibly grateful. We have our health. Uh, both our, you know, myself and our family, we have our health, we get to live in this amazing place in Santa Barbara. I mean, it's just such an amazing community. So we have these wonderful privileges. So with that, I don't mind, you know, that we're going from sun up till way past sundown. And my family, thank good, like I said, thinks they're incredibly um, engaged, and we're all gauchos together. And you'll see us as you did in the, the article in the pictures. We're out at events together. And again, I, I had that opportunity and, and I'm thankful my, my uh, kids will have the opportunity too, to grow up around these amazing student athletes and these amazing programs and this amazing university and get that experience as well. Yeah, it's like um, for, for me, obviously for you times 100, um, busy is better. And, you know, like if you have an hour free, you're just like, I don't know what to do. That's not safe. You know, busy is safe, you know, you, you know, it, that's exactly right. I'm like, what, what, what do we do? <laughs> we do, we do carve out times where, you know, we've got our movie nights and our, um, our special shows and sometimes the, the family traditions and events, certainly that we find time for, but I don't know. We just also love, I mean, there's nothing more fun than to be engaging with our community and supporting our student athletes at, at our gaucho events. And luckily those go almost all year long. So, right. We go August to June. So right. um, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Kelly Barsky, interim athletic director at UCSB. Uh, great conversation. I appreciate you taking time as busy as you are uh, to sit down and talk to me and talk to the audience about the amazing work that you're doing, uh, you have been doing, that you're going to be doing in the years ahead. So thanks a lot and have a great day. Thank you, Josh.